Hello, and welcome to the Elk River Lutheran Church Powered by Love podcast, recorded in beautiful downtown Elk River, Minnesota, right on the banks of the Mississippi River. Today we'll explore the Bible, life, and faith. So sit back, relax, and enjoy some sacred wit. To be powered by love is a spiritual thing, more than a feeling. To be powered by love Don't take money Don't take fame Don't take no credit card To ride this train It's strong and sudden It's cruel sometimes But it might just save your life To be powered Our by love Our theme for this love. morning is four And in particular, four taking risks And so, uh, to get started here I'm going to invite you into a little bit of a risky game, if you would. We're going to play a little game of risky would you rather. So I'm going to share a series of things that I'm going to ask you, would you rather do this or that? There's two choices and you got to choose one, okay? So online folks, you can jump in and play in the comments as well. Let us know which one you would lean towards. Uh, You all invite to raise your hands as uh, we give these options. So here's what I mean. Here's the first one. Would you rather go skydiving or drive a car 100 miles an hour, okay? So if you're going to do one this afternoon, would you rather go skydiving, jump out of a plane, or drive a car 100 miles an hour, okay? I'll have you raise your hands. Who would rather go skydiving? Show of hands. Okay, all right, some brave folks. Who would rather drive a car 100 miles an hour? Okay, all right, <laughs> well, good. About half and half there, that's good. Okay, here's another one. Would you rather sing karaoke in front of a bunch of people or give a speech at a wedding? (laughs) Okay, this is risky business here. Would you rather sing karaoke in front of a bunch of people or give a speech at a wedding? Okay, so raise your hand or in the comments if you would rather sing karaoke. Where's our singers at? Okay, Uh, how about would you rather give a speech at a wedding, our orators? Okay, good. Again, about half and half. I like it. Okay, how about this one? Would you rather get a tattoo or go skinny dipping? (laughs) It's risky. I told you. Would you rather get a tattoo or go skinny dipping? Okay, so let's see a show of hands. Who would rather get a tattoo? Tattoos? Okay. Who would rather go skinny dipping? Oh boy, we got a lot of skinny dippers. All right. Well, it's a risky morning at Elk River Lutheran Church. I bet you didn't expect that question when you came this morning. Well, thanks for playing along and thinking about taking risks, because this is our theme for this morning, being for taking risk. But here's the thing, the kind of risk that I'm going to be talking about in the sermon, believe it or not, is not about skinny dipping or tattoos or bungee jumping or skydiving. The kind of risk we're going to be talking about in the sermon is the risk of vulnerability, the risk of trusting other people, the risk of trusting ourselves, and the risk of trying something again even after you've failed. Now, those are risky things. And the gospel reading we're going to hear this morning, the scripture reading that we'll hear, is uh, the story of Jesus walking on water. And he walks up to his disciples, and they're a little scared, and then they realize it's him. And then Peter gets out of the boat. 
and takes a few steps before he sinks in, and Jesus has to grab him and pull him up. And I think this story is a great way of thinking about risk and the risks that we take because Peter takes a couple steps on the water, but he sinks, but Jesus pulls him up. We need to be willing to take the risk to fail sometimes, to be let down sometimes, to have our hearts broken sometimes, because that's the only way to experience the full joy and love that life has to offer. And the good news is that just like Jesus grabbed Peter by the arm and pulled him up, Jesus is there to grab us and pull us up and dry us off so that we can face the next challenge and opportunity that comes our way. So we're talking about taking risks. And so thank you for taking a risk and playing a game with me this morning. Uh, We're going to talk about being for risk-taking. Today's scripture reading comes from the 14th chapter of Matthew, beginning with the 22nd verse. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go on, uh, go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but by this time the wind was against them. And early in the morning he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Here ends the reading. Well, our theme for this morning is for taking risks. And so we're thinking about being for taking risks. Like I said at the beginning, what we're talking about when we think about risk isn't skydiving or bungee jumping or some of those kinds of other risky things that we played a game with earlier. Instead, we're talking about the risky things of vulnerability, the risky things of trusting other people, of trusting ourselves, of trying again even after we fail. Those are risky things. I want to share about a time I took a really big risk when I was 16 or 17 years old and I was smitten with a young lady. I was in love with her and the only problem was we didn't really know each other. Like, at all. Like, I didn't really know her at all. We had friends in common, so I knew of her and I had seen her. And I was pretty convinced we would be perfect together. And so I think I had been deeply influenced by these 80s and 90s romantic teen movies that made me think that, oh boy, if only she had a chance to know me, she would love me. And so I set about planning my grand, uh, grand gesture to win her over and luck would have it, the prom was coming. And so I thought, perfect, I am going to invite her to the prom. And after a night of dancing and romance, we'll live happily ever after. So I got all ready. And of course, in these movies, they taught me it's got to be a grand gesture. So I went in person. I drove. She lived in the neighboring town. And so we didn't even go to school together. Again, didn't really know her. Drove to the neighboring town. 
dressed in the finest outfit I could pull together that day. A button-down, long-sleeved denim shirt tucked into my denim jeans. A little bit of a Canadian tuxedo, almost, you know, minus the jacket. A lot of denim. And as I pulled into town, I went to the flower shop and I bought a single white rose. And I thought, oh yeah, I got it going on here. And so I remember pulling up to her house and sitting in the driveway Again, kind of creepy because I didn't really know her. And so there I am sitting outside of her house, and there was a pause in my mind. I thought, is this a good idea? Should I really be doing this? And then I looked down, the denim on denim, and I thought, oh, yeah, of course, baby, I got this. So I went up bravely to the door. I knocked on the door, waited a little bit, and the door opened, and it was her brother. I said, oh, is so-and-so home? Is she home? And he said, no, she's gone for the rest of the day. And so there I stood with my white rose in front of her brother and my denim on denim. And I said, okay. <laughs> and I left. I got in my car and I drove home. And I thought, oh my gosh, that was pretty risky. But what am I going to do? I got to call her. She's going to hear about this. And so I called her that night on the phone I said, hey, this is Nathan. I know you don't really know me, but I was there earlier today. And she said, yeah, my brother told me. <laughs> I bet he did. I bet he did. Anyway, I went into my pitch. It wasn't as good as it would have been in person. But y'all, it was good. I asked her if she'd want to go to the prom with me. She thought about it, and she said, no. Politely, she declined. I was a stranger. Why would she go with me? Uh, that would have been kind of crazy. And so, you know, teenagers, don't go to prom with weirdo strangers. Uh, she probably made the right choice. But I was heartbroken, sad. And the funny thing is, as I've been getting ready for this sermon on taking risks and vulnerability, I started thinking about this story and remembering all these little details of like what I was wearing and the flower and all this nerdy stuff. And guess what? Decades later, my stomach still got tied in knots a little bit, and I thought, oh boy, I just still feel and remember the anxiety, the fear, the worry, and then the rejection. Because the funny thing is, that awkward teenager is still in here, <laughs> and I know that. And I know that awkward teenager is still in all of you, too, because it doesn't go away. That was a vulnerable, risky day for me. But when I think about it in the grand scheme of life, all of the other days since that day are probably a little more risky and vulnerable. It was probably a lot riskier for me and a lot more vulnerable for me to actually ask the girl who ended up going to prom with me that year, who did say yes, because I went into that asking knowing what no felt like. You know what I mean? It can be pretty vulnerable and risky putting yourself out there when you know what that rejection on the other side could feel like. And yet, there's no other way to get to the prom, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> there's no other way to experience these joys and blessings of life if we don't take the risks of failure and the potential no's and heartache that come along with that. Jesus is for taking risks. 
I really believe this, that Jesus calls us to take risks. In this gospel reading for today, it's a great example of, you know, Jesus is walking on water. It's a really cool story, an amazing thing that only Jesus can do, and yet Peter wants to do it too. He sees Jesus walking on water. He says, hey, let me do that. He gets out of the boat and he takes three steps on the water, which I will say is more steps than I've ever taken on water. But then he does sink. And so, oh, poor Peter, if only he'd had more faith. Oh, poor Peter, this. But I mean, he, he got out of the boat. He took the risk. He was pretty vulnerable in trusting that Jesus would be there. And even though he sunk, he didn't sink all the way to the bottom because Jesus grabbed him, pulled him back up. And later, Jesus would say, you are Peter. On this rock, I will build my church. He was a rock because he sunk, right? No, I don't think that was what Jesus meant by it. Uh, he took the risk. And yeah, he failed, but only kind of. Because he continued to take the risk to keep trying and trusting that Jesus would be there to pull him up when he failed the next time. That's what we're called to do too. Uh, I've been studying this uh, kind of sociologist named Brene Brown. I don't know if anyone here has ever heard of Brene Brown, uh, but uh, okay, everyone look cool. The cops just drove by. Um, So Brene Brown is a sociologist and uh, She has spent her career studying shame and vulnerability. About 10 years ago, she did a TED Talk that really put her on the map. It went viral. It's got millions and millions, tens of millions of views. And so I encourage you to check it out. It really is good. And in that talk, she talks about the power of vulnerability. If you look her up online, you'll find her everywhere. She even has a Netflix special where she talks about the power of vulnerability. Because in her decades and decades of research, what she has found is that what makes people really happiest, like the most happy, healthiest, well-balanced, strong leaders all share one big thing in common, vulnerability. They're willing to take risks and fail to put themselves out there because you get, sometimes you got to go out on a limb because that's where the fruit is. And so she's found over and over through thousands and thousands of interviews and all of this research that vulnerability, this willingness to take risks and trust other people and trust yourselves is core to being and experiencing a happy, successful life. So she has this, in her TED Talk, she talks about these three main things that help that that wholehearted people, which is what she calls these folks who are living this out, these wholehearted people have three big things in common around vulnerability. The three big things are this, they love with their whole heart, they practice gratitude and joy, and they believe that they are enough. Those three simple things that are anything but simple to put into practice, they love with their whole hearts, they practice gratitude and joy, and they believe, they believe in their heart that they are enough as they are. So uh, when we think about these three things, to love with your whole heart, when she dug into that research, the people who loved with their whole heart, what that meant is they would do that even when there's no guarantee. They would take the risk. These are the kind of people who are the first to say, I love you in a relationship when you don't know if the other person is going to reciprocate or say, oh, that's nice. That's the kind of risk-taking that wholehearted living leads to. These folks are willing to face rejection even though they know it hurts, but 
that's that chance of rejection is the only way to get to what's on the other side, which is true love and joy. You have to be willing to take the risk. When I think about this in my life, I think about it with so many different relationships, but one that really is probably the strongest for me is with, with my kids who are the embodiment of this for me and push me into this kind of wholehearted living, whether I want to go there or not, because they kind of are just the embodiment of my heart outside of my body. And so over and over, I learn just how much I love them and how much their heartache is my heartache. Uh, here's an example of that. This summer, we went to family camp at Luther Crest Bible Camp, and it was a really fun week of camp. Uh, one of the challenges and hardships, though, was our son Teddy had a broken arm, so he wasn't able to play many games. Dr. Lane says, no running, no jumping, nothing with wheels. Not a fun way to spend your summer if you're seven years old. And so he didn't get to do a lot of camp. There's all these things he couldn't do, but one of the things he did get to do was play pickleball. Y'all know pickleball? <laughs> it's like tennis, only a little smaller, like racquetball. And so he played some pickleball with uh, these other kids, with some older kids, and they were so awesome to him. And so he had gotten to play a little bit earlier in the day, and then they went back to play a little more pickleball later. And I went there, and I was there, as these kids were so cool to him uh, because he couldn't really play the whole game, and they knew that. And so they said, uh, hey, why don't you serve? They said, hey, this kid is really good at serving. Let's let him serve every time. And, uh, and so they just kept bragging him up. And I watched as his face was just glowing. And my dad's heart was just, just as big as the sky, right? It was so good. And so then he got up to serve. And he missed 10 serves in a row. <laughs> One after another. And my big dad heart broke in half because I could care less if he's good at pickleball, right? Like, I, that's not my concern. But to watch him struggle with something right after being just built up in such a beautiful way, that hurt me way more than it hurt him. I remember it. I'm certain that he doesn't. That is this wholehearted living. When you enter into deep and real relationship with people, you can experience the beauty of true love and joy, but that comes with some risk and vulnerability because you can also experience some real heartache as their heart breaks or as they break your heart. But nonetheless, wholehearted living, I think, is the way to go. The second part of that thing that Brene Brown had said was that gratitude is the key to joy. She said that actually gratitude, being grateful for what you have, is the best way to experience joy. And this shouldn't be that surprising. I mean, we can kind of think about this and experience it, that actually being grateful for what you have is way more life-giving than thinking about and wishing for what you don't have, whether that is actual physical stuff or experiences, right? If we just are looking back at the good old days and when things have gone, gone, you know, the bygone on days with the, you know we're going to miss the days that are right here and now we know this and yet i think a lot of us kind of fall into that sometimes we get in our mind even during some good times we'll start thinking about all of the worst case scenarios or how things could go wrong and i think we sometimes trick ourselves into thinking that if we run through the worst case scenario in our head and kind of do that dress rehearsal then if and when something bad actually happens well, we'll be ready. We, we practiced this, right? We, we did the... But what Brene Brown found in her research and study after study was that the one thing that was guaranteed, it didn't really help you be more prepared for the bad things that would happen, but every single time, 
It meant that you missed out on the potential joy that was here and now by living in the moment that we're in. To practice gratitude and joy, you know, gratitude actually leads to that joy. Cut and dry. And finally, the third thing that she said, I just want to lift up too, is that believing that you are enough. Uh, this may seem like a pretty simple thing, but believing that you are enough, that you are worthy of love just as you are, is one of those things that wholehearted people shared in common. And that takes some real vulnerability and trust. You have to trust in yourself. And what she found is that the people who were kindest to themselves are also pretty kind to others. And so I think about this as an example of like sometimes I do something kind of dumb and I get mad at myself. Has anyone ever experienced this before, right? I'll be carrying something, I drop it and spill it all over and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so stupid. Why did I do this? What an idiot, all this stuff. When my kids do that, is that how I talk to them? Uh, I'd be a real monster, right? If one of my little kids spilled something, I'm like, you idiot, stupid, why would you do that? Why is it that we are so much kinder to other people than we are to ourselves? Being kind to ourselves naturally leads to us being happier and healthier. When we believe that we are worthy of love, we're more likely to love others as well. These three things are kind of the core of this TED Talk, of this teaching that Brene Brown shares to love with your whole heart, to practice joy and gratitude, to believe that you are worthy. But they're really the core of Jesus' teachings too. That's why I bring them in here. The Bible is full of all kinds of examples of people being vulnerable, Jesus being the biggest example of all. I mean, he is God in flesh walking the earth. That is pretty vulnerable because we know how that story ends. It's pretty vulnerable because he goes and he calls this group of disciples who aren't the brightest and best and said they're common fishermen he says you will be my followers and you will start this thing called the church jesus spends his time out on the edges of society risking his own reputation hanging out with some kind of questionable people a lot of times that's risky it's vulnerable and ultimately it leads jesus to the cross where he dies for us the ultimate embodiment of god's vulnerability God practices this vulnerability that he calls us to and calls us to be vulnerable because God, too, has been vulnerable to the very end. The story of Peter, I think, ultimately is this great kind of takeaway for today because we can trust that we can take risks, that we can trust others, that we can trust ourselves, that we can try again even if we have already failed because Jesus will be there to grab us and pull us up he didn't let Peter sink to the bottom. He pulled him up, dried him off, buttoned up his denim shirt, gave him a rose and said, go find that love. <laughs> There's always opportunity for more if we're willing to take the risk. And what we learn time and time again in life, what Jesus proclaims all throughout the Gospels is that it is worth the risk because there is love and joy to be had in this life. And so let us bravely and courageously, vulnerably find all that the world has to offer. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us. You can find more information about Elk River Lutheran Church at our website, elkriverlutheran.org. And if you'd like to give to support this podcast and the other ministries of the church, just click that Give button at the top of the homepage. Thanks again, and have a great week. Thank you.
Don't take money, don't take fame, but it might just save your life to be powered by love. <laughs>